they're us, that's all. This is something my granddaddy used to tell us. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. Welcome to Zombie World. We're here with all the latest and greatest about zombie movies, TV, books, comics, cosplay, decorations, the zombie culture. Dead alive and almost direct from a world where all the zombie apocalypses are true. We have news and reviews about your classic slow zombies, your fast ragey zombies, your smart zombies, stupid zombies, cute zombies, dancing zombies. They're all here. You can cure them right outside, as a matter of fact. And which kind or how bad it is, well, it kind of depends on where and when you are here in zombie world. But don't worry, we have it completely under control. Wow, most of the time. Uh, Regardless, I'm Brad Munson. And I'm Samantha Luck. And here at the beginning of September, we're talking about a whole lot of stuff. Including the possibility of one more George Romero zombie movie, even though he's been dead for years. A new feature film based on one of R.L. Stein's classic zombie books for young adults. A chat about Black Summer. A chat about the real-life house made for a zombie apocalypse. And all the stuff is missing. And some news on an online tournament of the undead that's happening right now. And actually, even more. So let's start shuffling along with a couple of quick bites. You know, poor dead George A. Romero, father of all modern zombies, may have died back in 2017, but like one of his own iconic creations, he just keeps coming back. The newest resurrection? It looks like one more movie in the original Night, Dawn, Day of the Living Dead series is now heading into production. And George actually had something to do with it. Yes, yet another Of the Dead movie. It's called Twilight of the Dead, and it's based on a film treatment that Romero did before he died. I wonder if it's related to the infested island that survivors go to at the end of Zack Schneider's Day of the Dead. But it is set on a tropical island, like Dead Island, if you've ever played that zombie video game. It's fantastic. I thought that was Alcatraz. What? If there's zombies in Alcatraz, that would be... Oh, no, that's the new Resident Evil animated movie. That's called Dead Island, and it is Alcatraz. Oh, Dead Island's open world, too. I mm-hmm. mean, imagine if it had some Romero influence to it. But anyways... And, of course, the Zack Snyder, everybody dies on the island at the very end. Of the right. Anyway. And, so. and, of course, amazing special effects. And yeah, yeah. We got this little press release quote here that says, The dark nature of humanity from the perspective of the last human on Earth caught between factions of the undead, if that gives you an idea of what to expect from Twilight of the Dead. So, yeah, so obviously it's a light comedy, you know, maybe little musical numbers. <laughs> yeah, why not? Twilight was actually announced the first time a few years ago, and then it kind of faded away. Now there's this company called Roundtable that's announced its virtual rising from the dead. <laughs> See, it's a joke. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Filming is expected to begin late this year in Puerto Rico, the, the filmmaking capital of the world. Though, of course, that's contingent on the ongoing writers and sag after strikes. Well, what is it? Yeah. If we're lucky, we'll see it in 2024. But really, that's wishful thinking these days. Yeah. There's no director or cast or any information about this out at the moment. So it's really just a distant prospect for the future, like most of our television shows and movies have become. <laughs> yeah. At the very least, this is an authorized sequel to the series, backed and approved by Romero's widow, Suzanne. She says she is delighted by this and says she thought the company that put together as a long-term and deep love of George's work. Here's her quote. 
I believe they have the vision to produce the best version of this movie that honors the Romero legacy. I can't wait to start filming. Yeah, hope it's true. This also isn't the first work of fiction from the previously dead George Romero. I mean, back in 2020, Tor published The Living Dead, a zombie novel that Romero began before his death that was expanded and completed by horror author Daniel Krauss. And there are rumors of a sequel to Living Dead, though. Hey, David, if you're listening, what is up with that? So is Twilight of the Dead actually going to happen? Hey, given the current state of affairs in this business we call show, who the hell knows? But we'll be keeping an eye out, and we'll see if it really does start filming later this year or is put off one more time to be resurrected at some distant future time in a fantastic era we can only dream of where the actors and writers are not currently on strike. You know, when we start making movies again. I can only hope. So... A few months ago, in December of last year, 2022, this weird video showed up on YouTube from a guy named Mr. Pantas. Pantas? Cool name. Pantas. <laughs> <laughs> it claimed some facility in China had discovered an ancient virus almost 50,000 years old that turned people into zombies. Like a real rage virus, huh? Yeah, like 28 days later. And it got like more than 700,000 views. That's more than we get. <laughs> course chinese government had to be keeping it a secret oh, of course yeah. post-pandemic conspiracy theories abound but after a while people started to realize that this is a hoax it was debunked all over the place from politifact to the associated press even by newsweek and then in april april of this year right this year a slightly shorter version of it, and you may find it under the hashtag zombie apocalypse 2023, <laughs> started showing up on TikTok, of course. And this part was, you know, like a first person POV of this guy writhing on the ground being attacked by other zombies. Well, I think it was like at a bus station or something like that. But fortunately, or unfortunately, depending on how dark you are, none of this is true. Darn shame. <laughs> Scientists have discovered some ancient virus and climate change has caused permafrost to melt. We have come across these ancient viruses that are so big. They're basically, you know, multi-celled organisms as an amoeba. Yikes. <laughs> they can't fit inside your body. So, so far, none of them have turned anybody into zombies yet. 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 It could happen any time. But, you know, science, bioengineering, right? Yeah. Overrated. <laughs> These strains of viruses can only affect am amoeba and dinosaurs <laughs> and have <laughs> no risk to humans. There's no way for them to spread. So I think we're good. So are you postulating that there were zombie dinosaurs? Is that what you're trying to say? Oh my God, that's terrifying. There should be a zombie <laughs> dinosaur movie. I mean, it makes sense. They all got extinct and came back. <laughs> Let me write that down. My next big spec script, zombie dinosaur. It's done. You know what? I think Michael Bay would pick that up from you. <laughs> An article in Newsweek with the scientists who wrote the paper on these rediscovered or unearthed viruses said they will never infect a human cell because evolution of close to a billion years separates human cells from amoeba. But they also believe an epidemic caused by a revived prehistoric pathogenic bacterium could be quickly controlled by the modern antibiotics at our disposal. 
if anybody remembers the pandemic, I highly doubt that. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm, you know, I don't want to give into conspiracy theories. So if they're saying that if there was going to be a prehistoric zombie virus resurrection, and they've totally got it under control. So um, I guess that's reassuring. (laughs) Just like we have now with the zombies outside. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, obviously our government didn't have it under control or whoever's in charge here. We're really not sure. <laughs> okay. So my question is what made the YouTube and then the TikTok video so convincing? I think it was a combination of the timing being again, shortly after the pandemic. I mean, when you talk about a zombie apocalypse or a zombie epidemic, you're going to, in retrospect, look back at that. That and, you know, being shot from the cell phone. Nowadays, we're so easily entertained and want to buy into these stories, no matter how set up or, you know, special effects. It's got to be fake, right? We wouldn't see something real if it hit us. Yes. And something on the cell phone seems these days to be more legit, convincing and realistic than something that's well produced. Exactly. That's got to be CGI. But if you see it on a bad cell phone, maybe it's real. Yep. Exactly. And, you know, we had movies like Train to Busan, which could have used this as a promotion, but actually this was part of a promotional campaign for Last Train to the Apocalypse, which was held in Jakarta. You mean there was an actual event like a fake Train to Busan? That's kind of what it sounds like. Uh, Jakarta, Indonesia. I don't know. Have you been to Jakarta? Is it the jungle? (laughs) Not in weeks. Well, I mean, this was held in October of last year. And you would basically be in a train to Busan type scenario in this event where you were riding on the train to Jakarta, zombies were following you or filling the train. And this was a promotional campaign for that. That's crazy. Yes. Kind of like American Horror Stories promotional campaigns with the clowns during the election year season. And they went a little far with it because if anybody remembers the killer clown videos, like how many of those you wonder are real, you know? They were appealing to the audience that had seen Train to Busan, obviously, and for a 20-minute trip on the new trains in the area, you would be menaced and attacked by realistic zombies, obviously portrayed by actors on your train ride. Mm -hmm. So if that's your thing, then uh, this could have been made real for you, but it was not a real zombie epidemic. (laughs) No, some of the folks on that train took video on their phones of the promotional event, and then somehow that got transmogrified into this, oh, look, there's actually a zombie virus in China. Well, they went all out. They had actors that were playing military with rifles and shooting at them, you know, protecting, quote unquote, the passengers and all of this for just four bucks. Good Lord. I wonder if it worked. I mean, I wonder if that ended up getting them more traffic, more young people getting onto the new transit system in Jakarta, because I think that was the original point. Publicity event, right? Right. Promote the new train system in Jakarta. According to the bosses and the rapid transit district, it worked. Quote, this attraction has played a very significant role in increasing the number of LRT passengers, and we hope it can be a campaign to raise awareness of our service to attract more passengers in the future. So the campaign was a success. That's weird. But are they doing it again? No, it doesn't look like they're planning on doing it again, but we can always look for those videos on YouTube and TikTok. (laughs) 
But the, the good news is the zombie virus hasn't happened yet. Though I did see a story just yesterday about a flesh-eating virus in New York that they're calling the zombie virus. We have those down here, too. <laughs> oh, that's that's old news. <laughs> yeah, we've had flesh-eating bacteria down in Florida forever. <laughs> yeah, same old, same old. Normal activities. <laughs> so... Did you ever read any of the R.L. Stein books when you were a little girl? Oh, yeah. Who hasn't? Yeah. But I didn't. I'm way too old for that <laughs> stuff. But Fair enough. I did see the Goosebumps TV series and read a couple of those books when I was a trifle older. Anyway, one of them, not part of the Goosebumps franchise, is called Zombie Town. And yeah, you can still buy the book. It's in the Zombie Gift Guide. And now it's been made into a feature film that will be coming out on September 1st. The basic premise... Mike and Amy live in a nice, quiet little town where a famous horror filmmaker is premiering his first new movie he's made in years, and it's on Halloween night. Problem is, watching the movie seems to trigger an ancient curse that turns people into zombies, your classic brain-eating shambler types. So now Mike and Amy, strangely unaffected, have to hook up with a crazy old filmmaker, learn about the secret curse, and try to save the town before Halloween night is over. The film adaptation seems to deviate a fair amount from the original book. One of my favorite changes is that in the original, the two kids are called Mac and Karen. But Karen apparently is too loaded a name now. So they can... <laughs> Negative associations with the name Karen. I can see that. So <laughs> Sorry, Karens. <laughs> Sorry, all the Karens in the world. Anyway, here's the audio clip from the trailer that just came out. Carver has his first new zombie movie coming out in over 30 years. No one knows anything about it, except it'll premiere here, exclusively in Carverville, Halloween night. Is the projector ready? Do you need anything else? No. Start the movie. What is this? You just roll the film and it, it turns the actors into the living dead. It's the power to suck the souls out of everyone in its vicinity. We can stop them from spreading. As Marion had all the knowledge. If he were here, he'd know what to do. Your films must be burnt. You have to destroy them all. Go to the theater. Stop the projector. That's the last film. No freaking way. Run. I just got my driver's license. I can drive. <laughs> Get away from it! It's in the same damn car as a star! Take it low, strong like rock. It's Andy, grab something and hit him on the head! I won't do it! We're in really big trouble! I'll never watch another zombie movie again! Hurry up! What? Take it low! Oh God, can you drive? Have you seen my kid? He should have been home an hour ago. Your mom's gonna be very upset with you. I love your costume. Which, right? Oh, it's not a costume. I was sweeping the floor. Okay, fine. One month detention. Mrs. Boneyard, please. One of the interesting things about this 
there are a ton of old time, at least for most of you, old time comedy stars that are appearing in this thing, like Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase from Saturday Night Live and Bruce McCullough and Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall. You know Kids in the Hall, right? Um, nope. <laughs> oh, jeez, I'm so old. Also, this is the first major appearance of Maddie Monroe as a lead. Maddie is a major influencer, it seems. Hmm. She's got like 20 million followers online and clothes and cosmetics and all sorts of crap. And she just turned, yep, she just turned 20. So a million followers per year she has spent on this planet. (laughs) She's been doing this from the womb. Apparently. We'll see how she does on this. I mean, can't say there are a whole lot of successful evolutions from social media or YouTube star to the big screen. I mean... I don't know if Bella Thorne counts, but mm. or even the tiny screen. But hey, you go, Maddie. Don't think you'll need our help. So anyway, Zom comedy abounds in R.L. Stein's Zombie Town in a theater near you, probably on September first. And no, no word yet on what streaming service or services will have it, but I bet it's going to be soon. This episode of Zombie World is brought to you by TheZombieGiftGuide.com, the only online stores that's all about zombies. It has all the movies, the TV series and specials, the books and comics, and all the games, toys, posters, t-shirts, hoodies, costumes, and souvenirs you didn't even know you wanted, complete with one-of-a-kind commentaries and suggestions for other amazing items, plus special sales and hand-picked shopping lists. And of course, there are new items being added every week. Take a look. You'll love it as much as we do. And thanks again to Zombie Gift Guide for sponsoring this episode of Zombie World. Now back to the end of the world as we know it. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. What are you doing? Are you ready to rumble? What? What? See? Zero Latency, the online gaming company. Okay. A creator of Soul Raiders, Singularity, Undead Arena, Outbreak Origins? Come on, zombie survival? Uh... (sighs) Never mind. Zero Latency has come up with the ultimate online zombie slaying tournament, Champions of the Undead. And the winner will take home $15,000, while top runners-up get a very fancy VR rig worth almost $1,100. Fifteen thousand dollars is the first prize. Fifteen thousand dollars, yes. Wow. USD, baby. <laughs> <laughs> See, you play Undead Arena and kill as many zombies as possible with all these different weapons, and you can build traps and secure your area, all virtual reality. And you're competing against the top zombie hunters in your region and ultimately the world. Region? Yeah. The whole world is split up into three regions. The Americas, Europe, and the Middle East, and Asia Pacific. The more zombie bloodshed, the better your score. And the higher you climb on the leaderboard, then the top slayer from each region will get a trip to Las Vegas for the title of Champion of the Undead where they'll go head-to-head with the world's best slayers in hard mode. You know, where the zombies have multiplied and the gameplay is tougher. Here, check out this trailer. Hello, everybody! Welcome to another episode of Undead Arena! Where the entertainment is always hot and the undead are always hungry! Let's play Undead! 
Whoa. We have to put this trailer on the website. We do. So are you going to compete? What? Me? No. Not a chance. I would lose just walking into the arena. <laughs> I mean, check out these leaderboards. What? Wow. 61,000, 53,000 points? You're right. You just get blown away. Hey, that's not fair. <laughs> and, and right now, it looks like Austria is kicking ass, but Canada and Australia aren't far behind. Besides, it's too late. The online competition ends on Wednesday, September 6th, and the big thing in Vegas is still in early October, but still. It's pretty cool. I mean, cooler than Zombieverse, anyway. Yeah. Die, zombie. Pew, pew. Die. Hey, Shay, come in here a second. i got something to show you. Okay. What is it? Look at this thing here. It's from a, a realtor.com, I guess. It's a house in Colorado. It's kind of nice. Oh, that is pretty. I like the balcony and all the windows, and plus Colorado. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, uh, Bailey, Colorado, wherever the heck that is. $525,000, which here in California would buy you uh, about an outhouse. <laughs> the house has two bedrooms, one and a half baths. 1,400 square feet, more than four acres of land around it. And it's be actually being built here as what could be Colorado's perfect zombie apocalypse house, which is why I'm bringing it up. Well, oh. I mean, I think the main reason I can see it is that one of the accommodations here is that it has retractable mechanical metal shutters that come down over all the windows on the first and second floor. Why you would put those in in a house in the middle of nowhere, I don't know. But still, that's what they did. So I guess that makes it a good zombie house. Well, I can see how that would be useful. I mean, personally, if we have a zombie apocalypse, I'm just going to shut those damn things and leave them shut. But that is a lot of windows. Yeah, this house, looking at these photographs, and we'll put a couple in the show notes and on the website, is it's a beautiful house. Two stories, tons of balconies, but it's windows all around on this thing. Also, it's in the middle of nowhere. Looking at the aerial shot, there's lots of cleared land around it. There's lots of inclines to get to it. So, yeah, I think it would be a place you wouldn't see a whole horde. You'd just see a few of the locals coming over to eat you. Oh, well, that's nice. It's not all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, just the neighbors. So, But it did make me think that, yeah, I mean, I could see having the shutters be a great thing. You put them down. But then I don't see a lot of skylights in this house. So you'd basically be living in the dark or electricity. Right. And does it have solar panels? You're looking at the same pictures I am. I don't see a whole lot of solar panels, or it doesn't mention anything about a generator, though I would think maybe a place up here in the middle of nowhere probably has one. I do see power lines coming into it on the one shot that's here. So I don't know. It is lovely. I wouldn't mind being trapped there for a while. Oh, me either. No. You know, a lot of stairs. So I doubt that, again, depending on how smart your zombies are, you're not going to see them on the second floor. Nonetheless, this just seems to me the first step towards having a really good zombie apocalypse house. You, as a longtime survivalist, as well as the best shopper in all of Zombieland, what are the things that you would need in a place like this to make it a real zombie apocalypse house that would work? Well, I mean, I mean first thing I'm thinking is solar panels for your power mm -hmm. and maybe even something to supplement that power. I don't know, maybe a bicycle where you physically generate electricity and a bicycle to get around on if you ever have to leave that would be good yeah or an electrically charged four-wheeler that you could there you go yeah yeah something like that power that you generate yourself not you get from elsewhere 
I think first thing I do is put in some skylights on those nice sloped windows. Yes. So that if you do put the shutters down, at least you can still get the natural light inside the place rather than have to live in darkness until the zombies go away. Exactly. And I'm thinking a garden. I'm thinking both food, also herbs for medicinal purposes. Mm -hmm. Of course, you want sanitation. Sanitation is such a huge issue. Plenty of water. I hadn't thought about that. Water purification. Yeah. Maybe some natural products for cleaning. Oh, a solar oven. A solar oven so you can keep cooking no matter what. Mm, Makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think looking at this house too, it looks like there's an outbuilding of some sort. And I kind of think maybe you'd build a fence or a barrier that would connect that to the main building. Yes. And then you could use the land around that for, as you said, the garden. This looks like a nice little, I don't know if a guest house maybe, that's off to one side of of the major building. But yeah, perfect place to put up a nice big ass brick wall, stone wall, all the way around the thing. Make that your vegetable garden, plenty of space in between. And I'm assuming too that that a place like this would have a basement that would be filled with, you know, six months worth of food. So you'd be able to have that too. Oh, absolutely. That I would fence even more than that though. I'd have cameras, I'd have fence, I'd have barbed wire. <laughs> you know me, I would have plenty of weapons. Oh yes, plenty of weapons. <laughs> Yeah, it's lacking just a little bit. I'd have to add a lot to this to call it a perfect zombie apocalypse house. Yeah, it's kind of like, in terms of zombie apocalypse, it's a fixer-upper. Yes, there you go. But it is beautiful. And the worst places to be stuck come the apocalypse than rural Colorado. This is gorgeous. Oh, no kidding. Let's get away from society house, not necessarily the zombie house. I mean, how much does that say go away when you close your shutters? (laughs) It's an introvert paradise. More than zombies, it's an introvert paradise. Maybe they'd be better off marketing it that way. Yes, they really should. I mean, what screams go away more than metal shutters going over all your windows? Yeah, could you imagine the UPS guy coming to the uh, gate and the first thing he sees is the huge, wonderful windows of the place going, (laughs) give you a sense that perhaps they do not want to be disturbed. (laughs) Exactly. Well, we'll be putting an offer down. I think we'll move the entire uh, headquarters to, uh, what is it, Bailey, Colorado. Then you'll be able to buy all the really cool stuff we need to become self-supporting. And uh, when the zombies come, eh, you have to go someplace else. And there you go. Yeah, perfect. Well, thanks. Get out there and do some more shopping. I will. I'm good at that. Yes, you are very good at that. And uh, and thanks. You're welcome. Hey. What? Brad. Yeah? What the fuck? How have we not talked about Black Summer yet? Uh, well, well, there's only like 8 million TV shows about zombies to cover. I'm really sorry we haven't gotten to your favorite yet. Jesus. But why? Why? I know. I'm maintenance. Yeah, I know. I'm used to it. Don't worry. I come bursting in and you're like, yes, Kat, what now? What now? <laughs> no, no. Black Summer is actually worth talking about. Let's do that. Let's do it. How did you like it? I I really liked the first season. I thought the first season was probably as good as any zombie series that's been on TV, including Walking Dead. And it's up there with Last of Us for me in terms of, yeah. of that first season. The second season, eh, not so much. I, I think I know why. But what about you? I, I was just going to say, okay, we'll get to season two and why you didn't like it. But, okay, so my friend Nancy told me about it. And I was like, ugh more zombie stuff. Okay. If I must. (laughs) And so I put it on 
And I literally, I think it was like 22 minutes in and I was like, there, everything's off my calendar until I binge this completely. You know how I am. I'm, I'm a very high anxiety person. And so if I can watch something that makes me take my anxiety of life and throw it towards other people that aren't real people to me, I am much more calm. And so this was like the most high anxiety inducing in the best way possible show. And I think that it's so fantastic. Season one, I mean, it's just, I kind of feel like it's things that we never really seen before. Even uh, The Last of Us, which was great. And the game was great, but it's very addictive. I mean, you just can't stop. Yeah, and again, we're talking just first season, I agree. In fact, I don't actually remember if I watched it week at a time when it was on Netflix back in 2019. I just don't remember. Oh. It seems forever ago now. Oh, yeah. But recently, I went back as we were getting this thing off the ground. I went back and rewatched the whole two seasons completely because they're both on Netflix and, and well worth it. And I remembered seeing it, but I actually liked it a lot better watching one episode after another because it's such a strong narrative story, particularly in the first season. Like, you know, they have, she has one goal, which is to find her daughter. Yeah. Which is well established by the end of that first incredible episode, the outbreak episode. Yeah. And she never loses track of that. We never kind of leave Jamie King, who just did an incredible job all the way through. Oh my gosh, she was almost unrecognizable because I only remember her from like back in the day when she was in like not another teen movie, you know? And yeah, and she's always been, was just another cute blonde. Yeah. You know, though not to be mean, but yeah, that was really a kind of her bit. Exactly. But this was completely different for her, for her. I mean, she was like an Ocean's, one of the Ocean's movies, like Ocean's 8 or something. Yeah, that's what I'd... Was she? But here, you know, completely different and completely convincing and had no trouble looking like hell. And she looked worse with every episode. Yes. Tighter and angrier and more tired and all that. I just, I thought she did an incredible job. But it was just this one story. Yeah. And I liked all the little side stories, but I liked that it kept on track with the main story. And yeah, the storytelling in that first season was just great because they would suddenly introduce two new characters and you go, what the hell? Mm -hmm. But that would only be for a couple, three minutes. And I, I bet if we put a clock on it, by the end of every five minutes, we're back yes. to Rose and her and her deal. It's like, oh, and that then that person walks in or they'll backtrack in time for four minutes. So when she is saved by somebody running up and hitting a zombie with a baseball bat. Yeah. It turns out to be the guy that we just saw the opposite direction. It was it was great storytelling. No question. It was great. It's so wonderful the way they folded everything in like you're saying. They folded it in exactly perfect and kept it on a, you know, mainlining streaming, however you want to say it, like the one main story yeah. and then you have all these other people. But I mean, I honestly can't say. I mean, I did watch Last of Us and I loved it. I thought it was really fun. But this, there has been nothing to me that has ever just sucked me in in a zombie situation like Black Summer. It was just so good. The interesting difference for me is that I think they're both rich character groups. You know, they both tell good stories about humans right. apart from all the cool shit with zombies. But Last of Us is set many years after the outbreak. So some of the urgency of the situation is gone. Yes. It's just they've kind of accepted this is this is the world now. The world's got clickers in it. And it's yeah, they're, they're very cavalier about it. Like when he throws the body of a child. 
But with first season of Black Summer, this was all new. Yes. Nobody knew. It was so brand new. You literally see it where he's like, he goes out to get what a birthday cake for his daughter and then comes back yeah. and all hell has literally broken loose in like the 20 minutes. Plus his like, I think he was like late yeah. from, you know, he had to work a little bit longer or something like that. Yeah. And you can see the Rose character. You can see her starting out like her fierce. You see, she's fierce from the very beginning. Yeah. Like she just had to keep her husband alive and had to. And, had to, and then, of course, when he zombs out, yeah. you can see her transformation and she gets tougher and tougher. And I love that. And then again, by the time we get to second season, she's a very different person. But we've seen that development. See, and I along. love that because they really did take that character and make it a real life that's, I think what drew me the most to it is if all hell broke loose right at this moment, like exactly what you would do, exactly how you would react, exactly where your, your priorities would be. Yeah. And how unpredictable it all was. One of my favorite bits in that first season is a woman who's killed almost immediately, but she's in the car and the guy comes up to the window and talks to her about letting him in. That was so sad. Because he was so convincing. As being a good guy, I would have opened the door. I would have. Here's the thing. I would have opened the, you know me, yeah. Brad. I am not a person that would ever <laughs> let anyone like near my yeah. body. I'd be like, uh, excuse me, I have laser beams and I will, you know, you will be destroyed. But this, I, he was so convincing that I was like, I completely understood why she let him in the car. So the moment when he gets into the car, she's going to, I'll drive and gets in and, and it closes the door and says, get out of the fucking car. Yes. I actually exclaimed out loud and threw my hands over my eyes. I was like, no, oh God. It was just, I mean, those kinds of, of bits, but again, those are little short things that kind of enrich the larger story about Rose finding her daughter and all the people she works with mm -hmm. and, and everything else. And all the people that get killed so quickly, like you get these characters that you're like, oh, maybe they'll be in here for an episode or a few episodes. And nope, they're there for maybe 10 minutes of it. And then they get they're for killed. And then hilariously, one of the very few characters, son, that lasts all the way through, doesn't even speak English. Oh. Korean woman. Yes. The fact that they did that was so brilliant because I understand you know, I love to travel a lot. I like to go to foreign countries where I don't know the language. I learn just enough to get by. I go, I drop myself in for a month and then I'm gone. And I just kind of see how I go. I just know I need to get back to a certain place at a certain point a month later. And I really love the fact that if I was in a foreign country and this broke out and I did not speak the language enough other than to understand people's body language, she's very observant. She's very wonderful. And the woman she was with at the very beginning spoke English. Yes. So that was her. Translator. And then she's killed almost immediately. Yeah. So she's on her own. I thought that was among the many brilliant things about this show. I thought that was excellent. I think that's what I love about Black Summer so much is that basically you get connected to a character almost immediately because of the fast pace and well-written and great character development of everybody. Mm -hmm. You get attached to them. And the second you do, they're gone. It's very Stephen King, if you will. I can see why he liked it so much. Yeah. And the ones you think are going to go fast. I would have put money down that son as a character was not going to last. Right. And that the deaf guy exactly. who was, you know, handsome and charming and, and cared about other people. I thought, okay, we're going to have him for, nope, he's gone. <laughs> I hate to laugh, but you know I love it. Yeah, I thought it was all great. And the only other real flaw, I guess, thing that bothered me is 
guns. That was insanity. Particularly the last episode or two of the first season when they're actually getting to the stadium. I mean, I love the idea that they show up at the same time as a bunch of other people all making that last run. But it did get to be the kind of Lara Croft weapon that never runs out of bullets thing where (laughs) everybody had an automatic weapon that they were spraying everywhere. And apparently nobody ever ran out of bullets. I'm one of those people that I count shots for a gun because I know what the magazine holds. I know what, you know, their clip or whatever. I know what gun they're using. So when I know that they're going over the suspension of disbelief, it's not. There was one line in the middle of that whole assault when all of them were going for it. At the end, only four of them survived. Right. Where you hear in the background, one guy is saying, I'm out of ammo. Yeah. Like, yeah. You and everybody else, dude, at this point. Yeah. You all should be out of ammo. You're all just shooting wildly. It's a problem in The Walking Dead. It's a problem in a ton of things yes. where it's like, at some point, you're going to run out of ammunition. You may have the guns, but they're going to be better as clubs. <laughs> as clubs. I love that. <laughs> there was just too much of it. And then in second season, where I have a lot of problems with the second season, but that's one of them there, too, is that, you know, we're now at least three to six months after the outbreak. It's winter. Yeah. And people have run out of food, but they seem not to have run out of ammunition. Everybody's got weapons and they fire them indiscriminately all the time. And now where did this take place? What state or state? Not at all clear. Right. Neither. I don't even know where the stadium was or how it is that Rose got from the stadium with her daughter to where she got. Right. That's a big gap. But obviously months had passed because they were in the middle of the winter. That was clearly like December or January, someplace far, far away. The time jump doesn't bother me. But like the first two episodes of the new season is nothing but an extended gunfight. Right. Six months past, how many people have six months worth of ammo? Right. Particularly when you're fighting zombies that you're shooting 10 times to go down. Oh. And it seemed a little absurd to me that you had all those people with all that weaponry and no one even seemed concerned about it. That is true. And the other problem with the second, well, many problems with the second season, but another is it doesn't have that single storyline going through. I have to find my daughter. We're really just kind of wandering around for most of that second season. I think that that's why I liked season two is because there season one had a purpose. It had this get to the stadium against all odds, all costs, everything doesn't matter. This is what needs to happen. And if you're on board with us, great. And if you're not throw you out of the diner and let the you know zombies get mm-hmm. you in season two, there was really no reason. Yeah. Like it was kind of staying alive. And I, I really liked that they made that choice. It went from urgency in the first season to just kind of desperation in the second. Desperation and existence. Yeah, with no real thrust. The storytelling and the shooting of both seasons was great. But I also got very tired of the whole in the mansion thing with the mom and her kids and that whole thing. Yeah, why couldn't we have spent more time with high school kids being fucking freaks than... Exactly. If you're going to stretch out a story, stretch stretch the high school for three episodes. I don't really need to see the domineering mom thing for three months. I think what it was is that they were going for a different feeling because that house, even though it was this huge, gigantic mansion with this huge sprawling you know, yard around it and everything, it gave you this sense of claustrophobia that was very uncomfortable to sit with. Mm. And I think that maybe that's what they were going for. However, I do agree with you that I think that that went on too long because first up, 
after everything that I've been through, if I were the, you know, main characters of our group, the second I went into that house, the second any one of them went crazy, I would have just shot them all. And that would have been it. Compared to the first season sense of urgency and linearity, it didn't work for me as much. And so it kind of ends on a very ambiguous bit. I kind of like the way that it ends because they could do a third season if they wanted to, but I wouldn't recommend it because I'm completely satisfied with the way that it ended. I'm so glad that Sun got away, that she was able to find someone that spoke her language and she was able to be on a plane and just kind of leaving Mm -hmm. and the guilt that she felt about the people that she left behind and how everything played out that way. You know, there were a lot of assholes to her, but there was a lot of people that were really trying to help her with the limitations and then that actually made them better friends. So. Yeah, there are a lot of very good things about Black Summer in both seasons. Yeah. Again, I think the second one loses the real sense of direction and urgency that the first season has, but that's more in comparison than it is on its own. It's not bad. Right. It doesn't fall as far or as fast as like Walking Dead does in seasons four and five or other things that start real strong and then just peter out. Right. This is really good. And in fact, if I have to tell anybody what zombie thing should I be watching, you know, first, I would put this way at the top of the list, right up there with Last of Us. Oh, for sure. I would absolutely say watch Black Summer. For sure, watch Black Summer. And then after that, I would say The Last of Us. I'd probably put it in the other order, but I agree. I think those are absolutely in the top five. Oh, really? A couple seasons of Walking Dead. The first season of Fear of the Walking Dead. There are a few others. And absolutely Black Summer, which is way at the top. Yeah. It doesn't usually get on the list. It kind of gets down there with Z Nation and, you know, all that other stuff. But I just think this got lost in the shuffle in a way it didn't deserve to. I just thought it was really strong. Well, thanks. That is great. Get out of here. I got work to do, but I appreciate you stopping by. Now, go away. You know what? F you. Get out of here. Okay? I know it's your office, but get out, okay? Okay, I'm sorry. Go get me some coffee, sir, or a drink. You got whiskey? Not enough. (laughs) No, never. (laughs) Bye, Brad. And that's about it for yet another mindlessly destructive week of Zombie World. But... Here are a couple of announcements. Okay, for one, we originally said that we were going to be doing digest episodes like this a couple of times a month, dropping on Fridays, and then original fiction on the other two Fridays a month. But here's the thing. There is so much going on in Zombie World. You know, events and new movies and TV shows and new publications, just news, that we were missing or late on a lot of really cool stuff. Meanwhile, the fiction we're doing, and there is a lot, needs to be really good. And that takes time. A lot of time. And we've got big plans for the websites and our work with zombiegiftguide.com, so... So here's the deal. Two Big Digest episodes will come out every other Friday. But as news comes up and events come our way or something really cool comes to our attention, we're just going to drop quick bites into the feed at any old time during the weeks in between, as they happen. And as we complete a good piece of fiction, the way we all want it, mm-hmm. we'll drop that in too. And you can check it all out and stuff that never even makes it to the podcast over at zombieworld.net. And even other stuff on the various social medias like TikTok and Twitter, which I'm not going to call X, and threads and Instagram. We'd really like to hear what you have to say. So please drop us a note 
brad at zombieworld.net or sam at zombieworld.net or just go to the website good old zombieworld.net and do it there and you know what? We've been getting a lot of follows on social media, especially, weirdly enough, on Instagram. And I'd like to mention just a few of those early followers, like Jerome Caskets, who's a horror artist, and Halloween Halls, who's a horror shopper. Gotta tell Shay about that. And look, Sam, have you ever seen this before? There are actually other podcasts about zombies and horror. Oh, yeah. Look, Listeners of the Dead podcast and the Undead Symphony podcast. Random Number Generator Horror Podcast number nine. Oh, yeah, I love that one because the creators are the star and writer of Welcome to Night Vale. It's really pretty cool. And, of course, Zombie Garden Gnomes. That's a podcast? No, it's just somebody following us. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, what, I mean, how are we supposed to decorate outside? Who knows? We do have actual zombies, but, I mean, who doesn't love garden gnomes? <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. Let us know what you think. And we'll see you next week from the undead-infested remains of what was once civilization here in Zombie World. Until then, stay in touch, stay safe, and don't get bitten. Please.